Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 18, Heartbreaker. Mary, what happened this week? Andrea tells Kelly she's pregnant and is considering an abortion and is probably not going to tell Jesse because how do you even do that? Kelly recommends Andrea be honest, but also offers to support her emotionally and financially, whether she decides to tell him or not. Andrea, we need to talk, Jesse, and he assumes she wants to break up. He's so glad when she says that's not the conversation she wants to have. He's like, great, then let me tell you, I have this news about how I was offered a clerkship in San Francisco, and also let's eat this picnic I packed on the off chance you didn't want to break up with me. Andrea can't find the courage to tell him and just says nothing. Andrea tells Kelly she's going to book her abortion appointment. Kelly reiterates she should really tell the person who got you pregnant that they got you pregnant. But Andrea's worried because of Jesse's Catholic family, as if Catholics are more okay with abortion than they are about premarital sex. When Brandon comes to see her about an unrelated thing, she tells him she's pregnant and is afraid to tell Jesse. Brandon tells her she should tell Jesse because he loves her, but in a way that's also kind of like, too bad you didn't let me get you pregnant. I would be here for you. Andrea goes to see Jesse looking all sad. She finally tells him she's pregnant. She even wrote it down in case she got too nervous to talk. Jesse wraps her up in a hug and is like, don't you know I love you? It's cute. And now they can figure out what to do together. The first thing I wrote about Andrea in my notes this week is, Preggers tells Kelly she's Preggers. <laughs> I mean, why not get straight to the point, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the first time we see her, right? Is her in her like pregnancy sweater, I guess, going to tell Kelly that she's pregnant and wants to get an abortion. And then Kelly's just like, yeah, but do you know who the father is? Right. And I thought it was really interesting how Andrea went to Kelly for two reasons. One, because they're really leaning into this whole, like, psychology thing, so maybe they're treating Kelly kind of like a therapist. But number two, because Andrea, like, asks Kelly if she's had an abortion because she thought out of all of the group members, she would be the one to have had one, which I don't know how I feel about that, but, like, I also can't disagree with it. Right? That was kind of the, like, this whole conversation. I was like... Is this rude or does this make sense? Right, right. And I mean, I don't think Andrea asked Kelly in like a rude way or was trying to be sensitive. She probably was like, I need to ask somebody who or I need to talk to this with somebody who I think, you know, probably has like had the thought at least. And so, I mean, Kelly has not had an abortion, but she's at least open to talking about it, which I think, you know, can also be a fine line. Between having a friend who would be cool with it and a friend who wouldn't, um, and who might judge Andrea, and clearly Kelly's not judging. She's more concerned with, like you said, who's the father and do you know? And Andrea's mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, I do know. It's Jesse for sure. Right. Well, and we kind of talked about that in, I think it was in the last episode, we were like, I wonder if it's going to be a whole who's the father kind of a situation. And of course, Andrea is just like, no, no, I know exactly when it happened down to like the minute. Like, Which, uh, of course she does. Yeah. Like, we should have thought that. We should have known. Like, yeah, she would know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, this whole conversation is just like, 
you know, the two of them saying like, have you had an abortion? No, I haven't. Is that like, do you know who the father is? And, you know, just, just so you know, like you should really tell Jesse, but whatever happens, like I will support you. And I found it really interesting that Kelly said she would support her financially mm-hmm. because definitely that is going to be something on Andrea's mind. Like you're 18, you don't have a job, you're in your first year of college, like how are you going to take care of this baby? I don't think she has like actual job experience, right? It's all volunteer experience. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, no. Um, Summer camp. camp. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I just was like, oh, that was clearly volunteering. No, I definitely agree. Like, money is definitely going to be a thing that I didn't even consider, which makes Kelly a better friend to Andrea than I would be because Kelly just, like, straight up offered it, right? Which, that wasn't the only thing she offered to, like, in what way to support But I do also think that shows that Andrea really is part of the, like, fab four of Beverly Hills, right? Like, we always were just like, oh, she's just kind of, like, there (laughs) in in the girl group. But this season has done a really good job of, like, putting all the girls together, not just connected to Kelly or not just connected to Brenda. But it's like they all have their own individual stories and they all matter individually. I just had an amazing idea, speaking of the fab four. Three women and a baby. (laughs) So, you know, uh, David has to move out of the beach apartment because he realizes that he's in an unhealthy environment and he needs to go live with his dad or, like, spend some time in, like, an inpatient facility or something like that. Just, you know, something to get him out of the beach apartment. Maybe even something good. Maybe he got, like, a record deal or something. But so he moves out. Andrea and baby move into his room and then it's Andrea, Donna and Kelly in the beach apartment with baby. Kelly's got the I experience. I want this spin off. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, Kelly's got the experience, right? Like, cause she has a little sister. I think Donna would absolutely be like the Joey in full house. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> And, like, Kelly is truly a Jesse. Oh, yeah. Like, clear as day. So I guess I'm – yeah, and Andrea's definitely got Danny Tanner vibes. (laughs) I know. No, this is perfect. Yeah, I'm for it. And then, like, Brenda can just come visit. Is she, like, Kimmy? (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but I thought it. I mean, it'd be weird because she'd be visiting the, like (laughs) – parents but I guess she did that anyway she hola tannerinos (laughs) okay no better she's Becky and then we get our lesbian relationship with Brenda and Kelly in a couple of seasons when they realize that they have romantic feelings for each other I want that sold (laughs) man everything comes back to full house I I think it's Full House and Gilmore Girls on this podcast. <laughs> so everything comes back to us rewriting the stories to just what we want. Yeah, true. And lesbians. But the anyway. moral of the story is that in this scene, like, Kelly shows good support, but is also kind of like, hey, man, like, you got to tell Jesse he needs to know before you make any, like, legit decisions. So hopefully, Which, you know, like, because at this point, Andrea is, like, definitely terrified of what he would say because she's terrified right so yeah and I mean you know 
true to Kelly's advice, I think the next thing we see is Andrea has called Jesse and they're meeting on campus somewhere so that they can talk. And yeah, she says like, we need to talk. And then weirdly, like Mary mentioned, like he thinks she's going to break up with me, but also packed a celebratory picnic, Mm -hmm. which like could have really been the saddest picnic that has ever been a picnic if she (laughs) did break up with him. Him with just that giant baguette, just like all by himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's just crying on the quad, eating the baguette whole. Like he's not even ripping off pieces or slices. He's just eating the baguette and crying. (laughs) Bottle of champagne. Luckily, he doesn't have to do that because, yeah, like Andrea just doesn't really say anything. Um, And like Jesse's like super romantic. He tells her about the clerkship that he applied for a while ago and didn't even think like he was going to get it, but he got it. And it's in San Fran and he immediately like invites her up there and she just is like, and hugs him. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. I know what they were going for in these scenes. I'm not mad about it. It just kind of really frustrated me that she kept looking so upset and Jesse would just be like, Say you'll go with me. Say you'll do this. Do that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're not breaking up with me? This is fantastic. Like, she said they needed to talk, and then we never actually saw them talk. Right, right. It's like, can he not see her face? Can he not tell that she's upset? Yeah. Can he not remember that she said we need to talk, as in I have something to talk to you about? Yeah, he definitely did the whole, like, hijack your news kind of situation or like when somebody starts talking about a dream they had last night and it reminds somebody else about their dream so they're like oh my god in my dream and then they just completely like hijack it that's kind of like what happens here yeah I Jesse <laughs> I usually like him I mean they've been like really whirlwindy and like kind of weird over and over again I don't know maybe like he gets too wrapped up in the bubble that is his mind of like well, this is what we are going to do, and this is what I have planned for us. Mm-hmm. Because I guess we've kind of seen that a couple times, because, like, when they said that they weren't going to talk during finals, and, like, she was really freaking out about it, but she held up that part of the bargain, and then he just, like, hid behind her door. <laughs> he, like, broke into her dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is Jesse not a good guy? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't know. You know, whatever. They have their celebratory picnic. She never says anything. And she actually says that next time she sees Kelly. She's like, oh, it didn't come up. Right. She admits that she didn't tell him. And then we get a good rap line mention. And, like, again, Kelly just being a good friend, giving good advice. She literally is like, hey, like, Remember when you had to give advice on the on the rap line and did you ever have any um, teenage pregnancies, you know, happen on and, and girls call you? What did you say? What did you tell them to do? And like Andrea is like obviously like, Ugh, yes, like I know I should take my own advice, but she's still just like really torn up about it. Well, because, you know, it's a really hard conversation to have to have with someone and especially if you know, everything that she said in this episode up till now where she's thinking about having an abortion, like, you know, it gets really rabbit holy in my mind where I like kind of 
go off in different directions where I'm like, well, it's her body, her choice that she gets like if she wants to have an abortion, she should be entitled to it. But it's his kid too. Mm-hmm. So he deserves to know about what's going on. And like he gets an opinion, but does he get an opinion? And like well, I, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. And I hear you. I think at the end of the day, it still is her body, her choice. But I do think it's unfair if she doesn't give him the option to like express his feelings. I do. While I think they should absolutely talk about it and like come to probably an agreement, I, I still think at the end of the day, it's not up to him to decide for her. Um, but he should still know. I mean, it's kind of like how when, you know, something happens and like you have a, a kid out of um, outside of a marriage and but you don't tell your partner and then they end up growing up and getting older and then the, the person, the other parent finds out about it. It's like they deserve to know the kid existed. Right. So, yeah, I, I still think ultimately it's up to Andrea on whether or not she goes through with it. But. But Jesse at least deserves a part in the conversation because it's his kid, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be part of a relationship and call it a loving and committed relationship, you can't have lies like that. Yeah. You can't just not tell your partner. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. it's, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, – it's a hard one, and I understand why she's, like, going back and forth of, like, well, it's really hard to tell. Like, honestly, the next time we – when we see her go tell him and she's like, I even wrote it down in case I lost my nerve to say it. Like I would do that. Yeah. Cause like that's what, that's a huge deal. And like once it's out, it doesn't go back in. Right. And it's not like you can like, you can't sort of say it right. Like you can't just be like, um, something happened. Like, you you know, you can't just give like context Mm -hmm. clues. You have to just like, come out and say it and then it's not only her does her saying it allow her to get Jesse's like real reaction but it also like kind of makes it more real right like it's already kind of real because she went to the doctor and confirmed it it's already kind of real because she told Kelly about it so someone else knows about it it becomes even more real when uh she tells Brandon about it because like obviously he's stressed about the stuff that we'll get into but then she's like Brandon I can't hear this <laughs> I got my own shit and you know that then it's like really real there but then when you finally tell the person that conceived the child with you, like that's when it's like legit real and you have to make decisions. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I'm totally skipping over Brandon and Andrea talking because honestly, I just like, I didn't write a whole bunch about that. Like, I don't know. I guess it didn't really resonate with me because I was just like, of course, Brandon's there. And of course she tells Brandon before she tells the father of the child. Like, yeah. That just felt very much like of the writer's room. Everyone loves Brandon, whatever. Right. But when she goes to tell Jesse and, you know, the first thing he does is like hug her and be like, I thought you already knew how I felt. And he kisses her on the forehead. And like it very much ends with the idea that like they're in this together. Mm-hmm. That is really when it felt real to me that like Andrea is having a baby. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – and I think we probably should have guessed that this would be Jesse's reaction, right? Because everything up until this point has been very genuine. But at the same time, all it takes is like a monumental thing, like a child to just completely throw you out of whack. And it would have been totally understandable for him to freak out. That's all Andrea has been doing this entire time. 
But Jesse's like super sweet, like you said, hugs her immediately, reaffirms the way that he feels about her, which I'm sure is like, honestly, she probably needed that more than she needed him to be okay with the fact that she's pregnant. Like she needed to know that he really legitimately cares for her because then it makes things easier, right? Like even if they came together and still decided to get an abortion, at least she knows he loves her, right? Like that, at least they know where they stand together. So I think she probably needed that more than anything. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like hugs and like that, like affirmation, like that just makes things so much better. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I really appreciated that they did that. And I think, I mean, do you have anything to say for the Andrea side of the conversation when Brandon goes to her room? No, just that I was really surprised that she told another person. Um, not, I mean, yeah, Brandon, because obviously, like, Brandon. It's Brandon. Like, yeah. But I was I was just more surprised that she already told two people um, in general, just because generally you don't really tell people, especially if you haven't decided what you're doing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing I wrote at that point that was, like, on the Andrea side of it versus the Brandon side of it was that was the point in the episode where I realized, like, Fox is going to keep – like, the writers are going to get to have this abortion storyline, but there's no way in my mind that Fox actually lets Andrea have an abortion in 1994 on primetime television. Genuinely appreciate them letting her have the thought. Mm-hmm. No way in hell it's happening. Yeah, Totally. The only way it would happen, in my opinion, is a one-off character. It w- it was like a character. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> reference another TV show. But do you guys remember in Boy Meets World when there's um, her name is Claire, and she Sean met her or she went to John Adams High with Sean and Corey, but Sean and she started a friendship, and she it turned out she was abused, and so yep. she had run away, and Sean was trying to like help her Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I would have seen an abortion storyline actually like happen where it was just kind of a one-off character who was in a really bad situation not a situation where it's like still not a great situation because she's 18 and in college and doesn't have a job and all that but like she she's gonna be fine you know what I mean yeah I mean she's She's going to be fine. Like, she has a loving family. She has Jesse. She has all of her friends. Like, she mm-hmm. has a support system. I would really appreciate Fox showing, like, relationships maturing because of what's happening here. Right. hmm Agreed. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I could also see, like you said, where it's, like, a side character. Like, maybe, you know, I could even see, like, in the next episode, Andrea – like really thinks that she's going to go through with it and like she and Jesse get in a fight and she even like makes it to the appointment and then meets somebody else who's going through with it and that's when she decides not to do it. Yeah, definitely. But like the other person goes through it and I don't know, maybe Andrea like drives her home from the appointment or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I could have even without Andrea being pregnant, but there have been an abortion storyline with um, – was it Laura who was with Steve? And the whole yeah. take back the night. I could yeah. have seen her have had one because of like John Sears or something. Yeah. And that's how you tie it in or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I it makes me think of Juno 
Like I could totally see Andrea going and someone being like, your baby has fingernails. And she's just like, my baby has fingernails? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, but I mean, I guess that I guess that's really it for Andrea. Like she's pregnant. Things seem to be working really well for her. Half the Let's be honest. The entire friend group knows by now that she is pregnant because she's told Kelly and Brandon. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They know. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Cindy's going back to school to get her master's degree. So no more breakfast. Morning (laughs) classes, you know. Brenda feels weird about being on the same campus as her mom, but decides to be supportive about it by buying her a bunch of CU merch. And that's it. (laughs) Like, but also, wouldn't Cindy already have a bunch of CU merch since both her kids go there? You know Cindy was rocking, like, CU mom sweatshirt or something like that. My kid goes to CU bumper sticker. Yep. On her gardening cart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Her little wheelbarrow just has a bunch of, like, CU bumper stickers. Oh, yeah. My son's an honor student at CU. Yep. But yeah, I'm so happy that she's going back to school, though. Like, that, we've been, like, obviously we know Cindy's got her hobbies, right? She loves gardening. She loves recycling. She loves cooking. Like, all of those are great hobbies for her. But this is something we never even thought of for her, was to go back to school and get her master's, which I think is excellent. I think it makes so much sense. She has so much energy. Mm -hmm. And then, like, they have her going for child and family counseling, like, Of course. Yep. If there's anyone to lean in with the psychology thing, (laughs) it would be Cindy. Oh, my gosh. I really hope that we see her and Kelly just, like, (laughs) psychology battle it out. Mm Mm-hmm. Just, like, Like, gabbing about Freud. (laughs) Like, oh, my Psych 101 class taught me this. Oh, well, my Psych 401 class taught me this. Oh, where did you read that? And I loved, yeah, absolutely loved that right after she says she's going back to college, Steve goes, campus could use another co-ed. Death taxes and Steve Sanders being a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> and like he does other stuff to piss me off like all the time, but there's always just going to be something he says and that little like glint in his eye, he gets a dimple going and I'm just like, say it again, Steve. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. I don't know. And speaking of absolute certainties, the next thing Jim says is, my fa- whole family's going to that school. I should get a discount. Classic dad in general, but like classic accountant dad. Like, I feel like those little jabs or jokes are made constantly by the person who writes the checks, right? But, like, especially Jim. Like, homie, you make so much money. Like, I guarantee you he makes a crap ton of money. You can afford – and plus, master's programs aren't even, like, full tuition like undergrad. Like, I mean, especially basically because my husband's in a master's program right now. It is nowhere close to undergraduate tuition. (laughs) Well, and it, yeah, it's just completely different. Yeah. Like, I just, 
I don't know, coming from the man that I think it was like two or three episodes ago, he was like, we saved 1335 by doing the early bird special. Like, I swear, he probably had like a Cindy tuition fund jar that he was like, 1335 in the jar. Oh my gosh. I swear. He totally you know did. It. Yeah, he totally did. You're right. Like, Jim is the reason that services like you need a budget exist. <laughs> He probably came up with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could totally believe it. Mm -hmm. He leaves whatever he does now to create budget software so that other people can grow up to be like him. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, Cindy makes a comment that she's not going to make breakfast for them anymore, which I'm sure kills her. Yeah, like, she probably hates that she can't do that anymore, like, weirdly. Like, she loves it because she gets to go to school and get her degree, but also kind of hates it because she gets so much joy out of providing for her family. Yeah, no, I swear. She's, like, sitting up at night being like, I'm going to school so that I can nurture multiple families, but I cannot nurture my own family with a nutritious breakfast three days a week. You know, she could be like, you know, kids, sometimes nurturing isn't just about food on the table. <laughs> oh, my you gosh. you got to nurture their mental health. <laughs> She's nurturing them by letting them fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> then Brandon is just like, oh, we'll just go to the peach pit. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a that's like the opposite of what Cindy would want you to – like, Cindy gets you, like – Guarantee you she makes, like, fresh-squeezed juice. She, like, prepares a full breakfast every morning. She probably bakes her own muffins from scratch. Like, I don't know what she does, but she does everything, like, custom, I feel. And then they're just going to go get, like, crappy food at the Peach Pit. Not that the Peach Pit has crappy food, but crappy for you food. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, Brandon even says later to Nat that they can put a low cholesterol menu because, like, everything on that menu is bad for you and is, like, the warning signs for a heart attack. Right. But I did – I looked at the table because I was wondering what Cindy makes for everyone. And I think Brenda had, like, a melon rind. So, like, she had fresh fruit for breakfast. I think Cindy also had fresh fruit for breakfast. I think Brandon had waffles. Which, like – yeah, Cindy got up and made you waffles, which you know are from scratch and not just from, like, the Bisquick box. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, for some reason, for most of the episode, Brenda's mad that her mom went back to college. And then at the end, despite, like, no evolution happening, she's not mad. Yeah, it's a really... Brenda didn't need to be in this episode at all because she was just there to be angry that Cindy's sharing a campus with her and but then is fine and then is a little bit in the Brandon storyline. But like, yeah, there's absolutely no reason for her to be cool with Cindy anymore, which we usually get. So I almost wonder if there's probably like a deleted scene or something that we just don't see. Um. I don't know. I'm so I'm so conflicted on that because like I feel like the show usually does a really good job, even if it's a minor plot line, of like showing kind of the rise and fall. But I wonder how many um or how often deleted scenes were a thing back then. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, Because that's a good point. Like, there could definitely have been a scene of, like, running into Sydney on campus, and it wasn't weird. And that's when Brenda realized that they're fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also can tell that, like, we are getting less and less Brenda. Like, there was no Brenda in this episode, truly. I know. I know. I don't... I don't remember exactly when she goes. Is it, I guess, well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I I don't know when she goes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at some point she goes, Mm -hmm. but, And it feels like it's close. (laughs) It feels like it's coming up. Yeah. They're just weaning us off her right now. (laughs) Brenda is our, like, baby blankie. That we can't take with us to school. <laughs> but I want to. I know. It's nurturing. It's soft. It's, it's okay. Brenda's none of those things. I was going <laughs> to say. You lost me on the analogy when you said nurturing and soft. <laughs> uh, oh. I, anything else about Cindy? No, I'm good. All right. Mary, what else happened this week? Donna is pretty sure that if skiing with nice boy Chad has taught her anything is that she wants David back. And honestly, I'm not that mad about it because David is seeing a psychiatrist and seems to really want to fix things between him and Donna. Donna tells him that getting better is a good first step. David's doctor and Donna think it's best that David enjoy... Oh my god, that was so many Ds. Sorry. (laughs) I just distracted myself. (laughs) David's doctor and Donna think it's best that David avoid the radio booth because that's where he did the most drugs. He agrees to find somebody to cover his shift for tonight. Unfortunately for everyone, that person is Steve. Bless him, but damn. He calls a sex hotline on air and also (laughs) locks himself out of the booth while a CD skips for eternity. David tries to find someone else to cover his shift the next night. He succeeds, but then he finds something else in Howard's desk drawer that makes him change his mind. It's meth. He steals the meth, and then he drinks it. (laughs) I can't get over how many times the writers are just like, how do we get the drugs into David's hand? And they're just like, he gets a key to a drawer. Right. This is the second time he's gotten access to a key that has, like, the two to a key... That goes to a cabinet or drawer that has the drugs in the cabinet or drawer. Second time. And it doesn't make sense that they're there this time either because the guy is like, hey, go get the emergency broadcast test. And like Howard knows that people have this key that they have to go get the emergency broadcasting system test. And right underneath the emergency broadcasting system test is his tiny little paper packet of meth. His little paper packet of meth made me think of two things. One, do you know that, like, um, it was, like, medicine. It's, like, goodies powder or whatever for headaches. Yeah. That. And also, like, uh, I think, like, razor blades. Like, um, like spare blades for, like, uh, the – it's not a razor blade. It's, like, a box cutter mm-hmm. blade are also in those, like, tiny, which I don't know. Like, what is that protecting you from? But – it's not like it's a paper. It's it's paper. <laughs> anyway, that's that's something I never thought I'd be annoyed with. <laughs> but, 
But those things, those are two things. Like when I saw that, I was like, wait, is meth in there? <laughs> right. I I swear they just like folded up a piece of paper and they were like, all right, this holds meth. Pretend this holds meth. And that it's enough meth to matter. I, to be fair, I don't know how much meth matters. Like, I don't know. We made that whole comment about David, like, counting out the molecules last time. Maybe he knows. Maybe he's like, this is the right amount of meth. <laughs> I got it. This is just enough meth for me. This is the best but, meth. <laughs> but <laughs> before he essentially relapses, like, we're making jokes, but, like, this is a serious topic. Yeah. Because, you know, like Mary said, the first thing we really see is Donna being like, if Chad taught me anything, it's that I want David back so much. And now I hate Chad again. Yeah. But David is getting therapy. Mm-hmm. And you know what I always say. All of these characters need therapy. Every character every in every single TV show that's ever been made needs therapy. <laughs> Fun fact. The guy who plays David's therapist is Bob Pinciotti from That 70s Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what, like where he – but he had so many acting credits. I was like, I'm not going to scroll through all these. Now I see it. Yep. And like when I figured it out, I was like, the Bob Pinciotti accent is completely fake? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think what's also, like, bad right now, and I I was just reading my notes, I was really worried that it was going to become a thing that Kelly knew about David doing the drugs. Not, like, for very long, but David had come to her for support and stuff, and Donna didn't, and obviously, like, Kelly didn't tell David, which is good for Kelly and David's trust, but, like, I was a little bit worried that it was going to cause a problem between Kelly and Donna, and I'm really glad it didn't. I just got to say that. Oh, I'm so – like, I think, you know, we can have all of these hypotheticals and all these theories going in our heads. But I really think that, especially this season, you know, the writers have really solidified the fe- the female friendships. Yeah. No, definitely. And, like, they're just being, like, really mature about a lot of these things. Like, Yeah. It's like they have a couple of times when you're like, hmm. Like, when David freaks out, like, when David accuses Donna of not being mature or able to handle a mature relationship, you're like, what are you thinking? But then they go the complete opposite and they allow Donna to be extremely mature and almost prove that she is mature. Like, I almost wonder if that's what they're, the writers kind of do is, like, they they accuse somebody of something and then that gives them the opportunity to prove the other person wrong or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it it kind of feels like, at least, like, right now in this series, they're, like, the girls are the straight man. Like, they're the ones that are just, like, they're mature, they're level, they're understanding. I mean, you know, like, okay, so just real quick, you know, David's at his therapist. He's talking about his drug issues. He's talking about how he's on academic probation. He's talking about how he wants Donna back. He even makes comments that like the drugs aren't a problem anymore because I've stopped, but they like set up a plan for how to handle when he's in certain situations and like how to be, you know, really 
practicing self-care and all these things. He goes to the beach apartment. Donna and Kelly are doing yoga together. Like, Mm -hmm. talk about emotional maturity. (laughs) They are, like, centering themselves Mm -hmm. doing yoga. And then, yeah, like, David comes in and tells Donna about the drugs. And she's just, like, such an angel about it. She's like, I just want you to get well. I just want to make sure that you're okay. Absolutely. That was, like, my big, big point in this episode was that David just, like, blurts it out. And it's it's very matter-of-factly, like, I started taking crystal meth. Like, just plain as day. And he does apologize, which is a very, very long time coming. Um, mm-hmm. He says he wants to fix things, but not just about his drug use, but with Donna. And then, Don- we have to remember, Donna has been a mess these last few weeks, I guess. And has desperately wanted David back, right? Like, she wanted this relationship back. She didn't She didn't want to forego her morals and what she wanted to do, but she wanted David back. This is her opportunity to get him back. But she realizes, wait a minute, hold on. It would not be right for us to get back into a relationship right now. So when David says he wants to fix things, she doesn't jump up and say, oh my gosh, yes, let's get back together. I've been waiting for you to say this. No, she focuses on the fact that he needs to get well before getting back together. It's that classic, like, saying of you need to be happy with yourself before you can be happy with somebody else. And that's what I mean by, like, the writers are taking an opportunity for somebody to prove somebody else wrong. Because David was the one that said that Donna's not ready for a mature relationship. And she's the one being the mature one here. Right? Like, obviously, the immature thing would be, like, I just want to point this out when you were saying all that stuff about me before and like, you know, throw it back in his face. But like, I'm sitting here like, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's just like pointing. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Like, I see that. Mm-hmm. I see exactly what's happening. Yep. 100%. But Donna would never do that because she's an angel. She just. I have so many like positive thoughts about so many of the women on the show and it kind of like week to week I change my mind on who's my favorite although I think forever and always it will probably be Kelly but Donna is probably the best character like I I think she might be my favorite yeah like I can't think of a truly better person (laughs) on this show right oh my gosh because yeah like (laughs) The next time that we see them, like, you know, David's talking about how, you know, he needs to do the radio show. She says that, like, oh, I thought you weren't supposed to go to the radio booth because that's not a safe space for you. And she even offers to take his shift for him. And he's like, no, no, that didn't work out for you either. Like, I can't ask you to do that. It's going to be totally fine. And then Steve shows up. (laughs) Which, let's be real, like, out of, I mean, okay, yeah, Donna, she's done it before, so, like, she's really the legit choice for it, but Steve was, like, he even says that he was born into show business. Like, he absolutely has the personality for this. I'm sorry, he's the Aladdin of the airwaves, the Ayatollah of rock and rolla. God. And, like, okay, it was pretty funny to have him like completely fail at it yeah and I know that that's 
that is his character. That is just what they have resigned Steve to on this show. But I would have loved if he had crushed it. Yes, 100%. Because honestly, like, out of every character on the show, like, David, I, I, I understand why David is the person to do this because he's interested in the music business. But Steve has the personality that you kind of need. Like, you don't necessarily need to be the most knowledgeable about how a record is made or the most knowledgeable about the most number of bands to be a radio DJ. Like you, you need to have the personality that's going to make people listen to you. And that's why I think Donna works so well because she was able to connect with the listeners without being some savant in the music industry. Steve could do this. Like he absolutely, like I would listen to Steve do a radio show all the time. Right. And like, okay. Calling a sex hotline in the middle of the night, (laughs) from like the radio station and then recording the whole thing like not what I'm into at all kind of weird but like okay whatever I guess like Steve wants to have a raunchy show and like you know let's assume that everything he did technically follows like FCC guidelines right assume that him leaving the booth and locking himself out while a disc skips for who knows how long like that's just mean to do to Steve <laughs> yeah. it makes them seems like it, it almost insults his intelligence a bit it, <laughs> it makes him seem so dumb like how would he not know don't leave the door locks right 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 but thankfully the thing is skipping because for some reason Donna and David are together in David's room in the middle of the night kissing yeah you should have seen the number of o's i put next to the n in the word no on my notes because it was a lot like uh, no not we've already established this is not what needs to happen and yeah luckily the song skipped so that distracted them thankfully they're easily distracted so yeah david's got to go help them i guess yeah that's the thing i like to think that you know, they were kissing. This started skipping. Donna's like, what is happening? And David, like, despite knowing that he shouldn't be going there, knows he has to put a stop to this and does, like, go get in his car, go to the radio station and save the day. Yeah. And then let Steve continue on with his horrible radio show. <laughs> yeah. God, Steve is just – he's that classic, like, overconfident white guy who just, like – like, it reminds me a little bit of Dax on his, uh, like, he talks about this all the time. On I haven't listened to his podcast in probably, like, I don't know, eight months now. But he talks all the time about how if he was on a plane and something happened to the pilot, <laughs> that he could probably land the plane. He's and like, I like, can figure it out. No, you can't. <laughs> like. <laughs> In no, and I think Monica's co-host like says this. He's like, she's like, in no scenario would you be able to successfully land this plane. But it's that confidence, right? This unwarranted, comes out of nowhere kind of confidence that like only a white guy can have, right? And Which, so I feel like, like Steve is the epitome of this like a straight white guy confidence, right? <laughs> And to be fair, I feel like we see this from most of the guys on this show. They have just like. A weird amount of confidence. Like, yeah. We'll get to it when we get to it, but that's gotta be how Brandon got what he got. 
is oh, just like for sure. his white man confidence. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, Steve, <laughs> I know Steve, I know exactly what Steve was thinking. Like as soon as he heard his ears perked up that they needed a, a sub in for the radio show, he's like, oh, me, 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 me. I've never done anything like this before, but I can do it. Because <laughs> well, then he goes and runs to all of his frat brothers and is like, guys, 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 I'm going to be <laughs> on the radio. He probably thought of what to do as he was on the show. Like, he d- definitely didn't plan for anything. No, not even a little bit. God. You, I mean, sometimes you love it, sometimes you absolutely hate it. But in this moment, I kind of loved it. I did, obviously didn't – the content of the show wasn't for me, but it was so on brand for Steve. It was so – I don't know. It was just quintessential Steve. It really was. And, like, I mean – you know, the next day, you know, they even acknowledge it, I guess. So, like, Kelly and David have a really cute conversation about, like, him getting off drugs, him going to therapy, him and Donna being friends before, like, jumping back into a relationship. But, like, the problem with those really cute conversations is there's really nothing to talk about mm-hmm. with them aside from, like, it happened. It was cute. I'm really glad that, like, he seems committed to his recovery in that moment. But then he goes to the radio station, and I didn't even write down the other guy's name. Jackson. Jackson. Thank you. When he's like, oh, are you here for all the complaints from your show last night? <laughs> like, oh. Poor guy. I know. But then, like, okay, so David asks him to cover his shift that night so that he doesn't have to do it, right? Yeah. And Jackson says Yes sends David to go into the other room where David finds meth and takes it. And also, I feel like this moment where he uncovers the meth and, like, is looking around like, oh, my God, is anybody going to see me? Am I really going to do this? Like, I think this was a better way to show him contemplating drugs than when he was in the dentist office. Yeah, there was still a couple – two close shots for me but not near as close as the one like I feel like we could have seen sweat like fall on his nose or something in the last one in the dentist's office but like um yeah this one the only and again like I'm being overly critical I know this it was fine and it's 1994 it's fine but the only thing that it kind of bugged me was just like it had one too many like look away look back look away look back look away look back like you know him being his own lookout but again, it like it doesn't matter. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, so I guess after it's this, he just goes back and tells Jackson like, "Oh, never mind." Uh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, good point cuz I did yeah, I guess so. Yeah, cuz like I don't remember everything, but he basically tells Donna that nobody could cover his shift in order to stay at the radio station and do meth by himself at night. And, and like go on and on and on about the universe, I think. I, I don't know, but I I got really distracted because he is quite literally doing meth on the air. Right, right, right. Like talk, lick the paper, talk, blah, 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 blah. Start playing horrible music at the crack of dawn. I think what worried me the most was that he was licking the paper. Like, 
he wasn't content to just like pour what was in the little bag into the orange juice. No, he had to like get every last molecule. And that's what bothered me. I don't know. This like this choice to make him like licking the paper and like talking really close to the microphone and like on and on and on and like all this stuff. I think that was a really smart choice by, I don't know if it was the director or the director and Brian Austin Green or what, but like it made me so uncomfortable and like yeah, nervous for David. Oh yeah. Like they did a perfect job of showing number one, how easy it is to relapse. Number two, how easy it is to get like really, really back into it. Like not just like relapse and it's like, you know, like an alcoholic might take one sip of a beer. Like that's not a like, no. If you relapse and you're potentially an addict, like you go hard. Yeah. And like I can even imagine him thinking to himself like, all right, I stole these drugs. This is the last time I'm going to do this. I'm only going to do this this time. So I'm going to like get the most out of it. Right, 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 right. Like you can see it in his head being like, I need it. Mm-hmm. And like trying to make some sort of bargain with himself that's like, I'm in therapy. I'm doing okay. I'll be I'll be good tomorrow. Yeah. Which I mean, that's that's what addiction is. Right. Like, it's always the future promise. Right. Never yeah. like the actual present. But yeah. So I mean, that's the end of David and Donna and Kelly. I think because basically. David relapses and like Brandon hears it so we get a little crossover with Brandon but yeah. he doesn't obviously know what's going on he just hears David on the radio no, and I'm, we don't see it but I am really curious if Donna and Kelly also heard it yeah mm-hmm. like especially knowing what you know and you know all this I think if I were them I would be listening Oh, same. Be like, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure he's okay. If he needs me, I can go. Like Donna Mm -hmm. knows how to get into the radio station. I think. That's true. I I think she was listening and maybe we just didn't see it. I hope. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Like David's storyline does not end very well this week, Mm -hmm. which is really upsetting given how it ended last week. Totally. Um, Well. What else happened? On the other side of the straight white guy coin, Brandon has been chosen to be the California University representative for the National Task Force for Higher Education. First of all, I had to pause to write all that down. Second, (laughs) what even is that besides meeting the president? And thirdly, why? I guess it doesn't matter because that's not what this episode is about. Dylan gets Suzanne a job at the Peach Pit, like hired on the spot. Brandon is there and narrates the whole first day tour to Dylan. He remembers all of it, except the part where Nat drops a full tray of glassware and collapses. That part's new. Dylan calls 911 and he and Brandon do CPR. At the hospital, Nat's cousin Joey tells the boys that Nat will be in the hospital for a few days before he can have heart surgery. Brandon gets to see Nat and makes a joke about him wanting attention, but then he's a sweet boy and holds Nat's hand. Cousin Joey decides to close the peach pit while Nat is in the hospital, which is just not how you business. Like, the place has employees who know how to run it when Nat's not there, but it turns out Joey thinks maybe now is the time to sell because Nat's medical bills. 
Okay, so I understand that, but wouldn't a long time of steady income be better than a lump sum for paying off debt? Also, selling a business can take months, and closing the doors prior to sale isn't going to help you get a good purchase price. Jim gives terrible financial advice. (laughs) Dylan and Brandon visit Nat again, delivering not only a giant burger-shaped card, but also news that Joey wants to sell the peach pit. Nat's pissed, but then later says Joey might be right. Brandon goes to see Andrea, hoping she can help him find a way to meet the president and single-handedly save the peach pit. Andrea is a little too preoccupied to help him, as we already talked about. Jim finds out that Brandon wants to save the peach pit and yells at him for taking on too much responsibility. Brandon does not care. He will find a way to do all of it. He unframes his work shirt and gets ready to open the peach pit for breakfast. Everyone else shows up to help because Brenda told them what was going on. I have so many opinions about the peach. Like, I have so many opinions about Brandon. In this episode. Because, yeah, I wrote the whole thing about the National Task Force for Higher Education. And I wrote to myself. I was like, how did he get this? Did someone nominate him? Did he apply? What has he done in the last semester to impress the dean? Stood up to Professor Randall and almost slept with his (laughs) wife. He didn't sleep with his wife. That's how he got it. <laughs> Lucinda told the dean. Yep. He didn't have sex with me. He's perfect. <laughs> He's perfect for a national task force for the administration of the education and academics. Whatever it's called. <laughs> and my favorite part, first of all, dying at the fact that Brandon basically just wore suits for the entire Oh my episode. god, I wrote that down too. I was like apparently all Brandon does is wear suits. <laughs> he like there is no way that this boy owns more than like one suit. Right, maybe two or three ties, but definitely one suit. Right? Like there's no way and he figures out he gets on this and he's just like, well, I guess I'm a professional now. But like, well, he's got to wear suits because he's got to prepare to be comfortable in a suit for when he meets the president. And I love, so he like ta- has this whole talk with the dean. They're so excited. They go to the peach pit. Well, he goes to the peach pit. The dean doesn't. He goes <laughs> to the peach pit to celebrate. And Steve is even just like, how did you get this? No one likes you. <laughs> He pissed off student council. He pissed off the Greeks. He's not popular. And then Donna, the ever-knowing Donna, says, the world just loves Brandon. If ever there should be a slogan for this show, (laughs) it should probably be that. (laughs) Quote of the series? Quote of the series. (laughs) Truly, I spent this whole time being like, I don't understand how he got this. I mean, and Jim's like so proud and Cindy is like, cool, I'm going to school with you. And like, I don't know if they fully grasp what it is either, but Jim just takes the opportunity to be super proud. And Brandon's probably like, I don't even know how I got picked either, but this is what I'm doing. I'm meeting the president. I know. It just... Ugh. Ugh. Like, that's all I got. I got ugh. I'm so mad. (laughs) 
Well, at least while we're there, we get a little bit of Dylan because we really didn't get a ton of him this episode. But he basically just like tells Nat that Suzanne needs a job. And he and Dylan also kind of brags to Brandon that like he offered to help Suzanne and here she is wanting to get a job. So I'm sure for Dylan, that's probably a huge like morale booster for him because he's like sitting there thinking she's just going to take advantage of him. Um, But no, she wants a job and she wants a job at the Peach Pit. (laughs) Which, you know, she made a whole comment about waitressing before. Like, Mm -hmm. guess it's not, you know, too beneath you now. Right. But then when Dylan brings her back in later, Brandon is at the counter still or again in his suit. Like, I don't think I know it's attention. I know it's the next day. So it's like he's there again. But like, he didn't move. Mm hmm. But he's just there. He's just like. In the scene, at the moment at least. And Suzanne gives Nat the resume, and he's like, oh, you have some really good references here. You know, forget the interview. Job's yours. And I was just like, Nat, that's not the point of references. Right. And also, like, how does one know that they're good references without calling them? Yeah. You can't. (laughs) They're Dylan. (laughs) It worked out with Brandon. Why not with Suzanne, whose last name is Steele? And I feel like it's not unironically. (laughs) Yeah, because he says, if you're as good as Dylan says. And I'm like, why would Dylan know? Dylan has never seen her work before. (laughs) Maybe this is why Nat needs to close the peach pit. Not because he had a heart attack. (laughs) I mean, he's had business trouble again, like before. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. In the episode where they wanted to turn the Peach Pit into a mall, like he right. was making comments that like he's not making money at this place. Mm-hmm. It's true. But yeah, it like you know kind of really takes a turn because then Dylan and Brandon are sitting, and Brandon's like narrating, "Why is it called silverware? It's not silver. Why is it called flatware?" It's not flat. And then the next thing you know, Nat is like having trouble breathing and he passes out on the floor. Mm-hmm. And immediately but- they like burst onto the scene, which is oh great. And and Dylan is perfect in the scene because he doesn't do the bystander effect and like just yell, call 911. He legitimately points to Brandon and says, you call 911. And then and like, then, yeah. He knows how to do CPR. Like, when he, like, put Nat's arm up behind his head, I was like, Mm -hmm. I forgot about that part. Same. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh, right. It's like when somebody's having a seizure, you put them on their side, not their back. Yeah. No, and, like, you know, I don't know if this was their intention, but, like, they show, you know, all of it. He, like, puts the arm behind his back. He's, like, actually giving him CPR. They're doing chest compressions. They're, like, actually breathing into his mouth. It's just, like... They're doing it all. They are saving Nat's life, quite literally, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Definitely. And <laughs> then they get to the VA hospital next because I guess I forgot Nat was a vet. I forgot to. Mm-hmm. Also, did you guys notice how tiny Brandon's tie is? Like, And by tiny, I just mean like short. It was like that short. <laughs> I cannot get over the style like, because, you know, these suits, like, they 
that was the style back then. They wouldn't have put mm-hmm. Brandon into some like whatever suit. They put effort into making Brandon look like this was a good suit. And I was like, this looks terrible according to today. Yeah. It just looks kind of like um like clowny, you know? It looked like he borrowed Jim's suit and then learned how to tie the tie on YouTube, but like it was his first time, so he did it too short. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, like the little skinny tail piece is way longer than the front part, so he just like tucked it in his shirt so no one would see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. He was like, this is fine. No one's going to notice. This is when Joey shows up, right? Yeah, Joey shows up and talks to Brandon and Dylan, and apparently Nat's going to have to be um, in the CCU, the cardiac care unit, for a while so he can get a little bit stronger, and then he has to have bypass surgery, um, which is essentially open-heart surgery. And obviously, that's a big deal. That's a major surgery. And so, obviously, Brandon and Dylan are like, oh, my gosh. And then um, that's when Joey says that Nat wants to see Brandon. Yeah, and I think I started getting a little, like, turned around in my notes, I think. But essentially, the whole time that Nat's in the hospital, he's, like, freaking out about the peach pit without him. And, you know, Brandon is like, you need to be resting right now. We'll take care of it. But then I think it's the next time he sees him with Dylan when they bring him the big hamburger that he's like, oh, did he get the egg delivery this morning? And that's when he starts figuring out that, like, Joey never opened. Yeah. And I mean – It was unclear at the time, but then clear later on that the peach pit was basically closed the whole time um, and that Joey was handling the finances and that you learn that Joey wants to, like, sell off because he owns 50% of the shares, like, all that. But at this point, Nat doesn't really know that. Um, And, yeah, you're right. It was like – and I'm scrolling down in my notes, too. um, Nat – yeah, it's like when Dylan and Brandon bring the burger card – and he's, like, really concerned that the Peach Pit didn't open because it always opens and that's not acceptable. But then that's when, not at the hospital, but then later on, Brandon goes home and he and Brenda are talking about it. And apparently Brenda knows that Joey and Jim had a big meeting, which is where we learn that Joey owned 50% of the Peach Pit and wants to convince Nat to sell it. Which, Mary... You were totally right in your synopsis that Jim gives horrible business advice, and it it makes me laugh so much that everyone just comes to Jim for everything, and I feel like this is why we don't know what he does for a living. Oh, totally. I mean, like, it's the same way for Cindy, though. Like, it's, it's that classic, like, we have to show the stable, the one stable, like, marriage in the show, and it's Jim and Cindy, and not only are they stable in their marriage, but they're the kind of parents that any kid or any person can go to for all sorts of advice, ranging from anything that has anything to do with money to anything that has anything to do with a relationship or mental health or anything. Yeah, like, I'm sure that Jim is the Peach Pits business manager normally somehow, even though we don't really hear about it. And so Joey just went to his business manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like, yeah, why would he not be opening? There's a whole staff. There's Nadine. There's, oh gosh, I've forgotten the other guy's name. 
But, like, there's a staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, the whole time, they just ignore the staff. It's like they, you know, made Joey say, like, nobody ever has to come in anymore. You're all let go. Right. Because that's the other thing, too, is, like, you don't think, to your point about the staff, it's like, they still had jobs there. So what happens to that? Because, like, presumably after, you know, they call 911, Nat goes to the hospital, like, there were other people working that would have cleaned up all the glass and, like, at least tried to finish the The meals that were in. Yeah, like, they would have closed up. But then we don't see that. We see, you know, Joey and Brandon cleaning up much later. And then talking about, like, the finances or whatever. Yeah, like, like, oh, you can skip the food deliveries. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what was the thought process there? Yeah. No, they're just ignoring that there was a staff. Mm-hmm. Which, fine. But, like, as, I guess, someone who's had a job ever, I kept thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. Because it's, like, a business is always bigger than just one person, right? So it's, like, the peach pit would have been fine. Like, Joey could have still done all of this talking about closing the peach pit while it remained open. Yeah, and... You know, to your point about, like, later Brandon goes home and has the conversation with Brenda. I guess it's the next morning that, you know, Brandon wasn't going to say anything because Brenda told him not to. And then, like, it's another tiny little glimpse of Brenda where she's like, since when have you ever listened to me? (laughs) So, Which is true. Yeah, right? But, like... So he decides to sit down at the table and just, like, passive-aggressively start an argument about the peach pit. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of – I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this whole argument, but I loved that he was like, well, we always have the peach pit. Huh, Dad? Oh, yeah. It's that classic, like, over-emphasizing um, what you already know and trying to make it pointed that you know – to the other person, but not actually say, I know. <laughs> but, like, somehow Jim doesn't get it. And he's like, Brandon, there's something I need to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Cindy didn't know either. God, come on, Jim. <laughs> How did Brenda know? <laughs> she was eavesdropping. Like, I swear to God, she yeah. was just like, okay, no. She was in the room with them. But nobody pays attention to Brenda anymore, so they just didn't realize she was there. A hundred percent. Like, because I was about to say, like, in what universe would Jim confide in Brenda? (laughs) (laughs) No, she was literally, like, in the kitchen. And Mm. now she's like, hey, Dad. He keeps talking to Joey. Dad, are you going to – do you want some ice cream? I was going to – one scoop? No? Dad? Bye, Dad. (laughs) Nothing. Bye, Dad. Going to Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna go marry Stuart. (laughs) I feel like even, like, name-dropping Stuart to try and get Jim's attention wouldn't hit anymore. Mm -mm. He would just be like, no, no, we're done with that. (laughs) Yeah, that's done and over with. We've moved on, Brenda. (laughs) There's no trouble you could possibly get into anymore, daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, like... There's no trouble you could ever get in to that would just, that would surprise me anymore, Brandon's sister. 
<laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. Like, how did Brenda know? And the only reasonable explanation is that she heard it and wasn't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And, like, my favorite part is Brandon getting mad at Joey and Jim for deciding that they need to sell the peach pit and convincing Nat to sell the peach pit. And Brandon's like, well, did anyone think to ask Nat? And I was like, Brandon, the one who makes decisions for everyone else ever, Walsh? <laughs> No. I know, right? Who would have thought? I know. It, it is crazy. And I got to say, like, I totally understand that, like, Brandon is the protagonist of this story. And Brandon has a different set of rules that he plays by. But something that's always bothered me about Brandon is how badly he treats Jim. Like, he straight up talks back to his father like he treats him like he's his peer instead of his father and maybe it's just an old school thought of mine but if I ever talked to my dad like that I would get smacked like I don't care if I'm 7 17 37 like I don't care how old I am if I ever spoke to my dad like that and my dad's a chill dude like I'd get smacked and like okay so I guess in between this, Brandon goes to Andrea and is like, can I do it all? And we all know, of course, Brandon's going to find a way to do it all. I guess I'm just skipping over that whole scene. I don't care that much. Yeah. But he comes home that night and he and Jim are yelling at each other, like Mm -hmm. absolutely straight up yelling at each other. And to your point of things you do not say to your father is Nat is the only person who has never disappointed me. And I'm like, I literally, when I heard that, I was trying to think of any time when Jim disappointed Brandon. And I really can't think of one because like you could probably say the car situation, like making him pay for his own Mustang and not like helping him see that it was like, like he bought it and it had stuff wrong with it, like all that kind of stuff. I guess you could make an argument for that, but I personally don't think there's an argument there. But I can't think of a time when Jim, like, let Brandon down and in a meaningful way. So the time that, like, immediately sprung to mind just because it also involved Nat was when Jim was the business manager for the mall guy and was, like, helping them work out the deal that would, you know, bulldoze over the peach pit. Mm-hmm. And so Brandon was yelling at him. But then, like, Nat kind of let him down, too, because Nat was going to sign the deal. The reason the deal didn't happen is because the mall didn't happen, not because Nat decided not to sell. Right, right. Because we had I, – I vaguely remember us having this whole conversation about how beneficial it would have been for Nat. And Brandon just didn't know that because he doesn't know anything about business. <laughs> yeah. Also, that mall guy was not – Stewart's dad mall guy right like are have we just seen multiple mall guys multiple <laughs> mall guys because that guy that mall guy's daughter yes. is one that Brandon hooked up with oh my why I don't remember her name I don't either I don't, I don't either and I was pretty sure the mall guy wasn't Stewart's dad but I was like why would we have two mall guys in two seasons Beverly Hills man always expanding 
I mean, I guess, like, Jim's job is malls, restaurants, individuals, and taxes. And authors. And authors. Jim just does it all. That's why, he, that's why he's bad at it. He's a, yeah, that's he's too many a, tax codes. Also, I'm 90% sure the only business consultation he ever did for the Peach Pit was the karaoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He does small claims, like <laughs> either big personal finances or small business finances or massive malls. <laughs> No, it's too much. And he didn't have the internet back then. I know. Like, at least he had a Dottie for a while. She couldn't do math. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Jim is just, like, driving people into the ground. Like, we're going to find out that Suzanne has nothing to steal because Dylan has no more money. I think we're going to learn that Jim has actually been running a Ponzi scheme this whole time. He keeps getting new clients because he keeps losing the old ones. Exactly. (laughs) That's why he's had two malls. Well, the first one fell through, so I got a new mall. (laughs) But then Brenda done goofed on that one. (laughs) So another mall fell through. All right, when's the third mall? I know. We need another mall. Jim Walsh, Mall Madness. (laughs) Do you guys remember that game? I was just... They, like, oh, my God. I wonder if you can, like, play that online anywhere. Oh, you have to. I know there's an updated board game version of it. Oh, man. But, yeah, back to the whole disappointed thing. Like, again, if I ever said anything like that to my parents, like, that would be the end of me. I would no longer exist on the planet Earth. Like, I just really don't like how Brandon speaks to Jem. Because even though Jem does rash things sometimes or or I don't even know the Jim's actual faults but like I don't know he doesn't deserve for his 18 year old son to yell at him like that I mean Jim's faults are related to how he relates to Brenda right right like I don't I don't think he and Brandon have arguments like this and like this is that you know white boy confidence like Brandon is so convinced that what he thinks is right for Nat is right for Nat. And that he can successfully run a restaurant. Which he could do if he had a staff. If all they had to do was replace Nat, like, Brandon can probably handle all the ordering and then, like, him plus, like, hiring on one more person as a manager could handle everything else. Right, right. Like, I don't know. For some reason, he not only insists on doing this, he insists on doing this alone. <laughs> right. Because, like, the next morning when he has to wake up at the crack of dawn to David's horrible radio show, like, he goes into the bathroom and Brenda even says, like, is there anything I can do to help? And he's like, no, and I would tell you if there was. And I'm sitting here like, there is. Help him. Well, and see, this is where Brenda knows better and knows Brandon better than she knows anybody else. And is like, bruh, you're going to need help. I'm just going to call our group of friends. But I'm not going to tell you because you're going to argue with me. So I'm just going to do it behind your back because this is what's best for you. Oh, and they all show up. And I loved so much that Steve was the first one in. Me too. 
I don't know why. Like, right? Like, why does it matter <laughs> that it was Steve, but it somehow does? <laughs> right? And like, but again, this is where I was like, this makes no sense. He would have his staff working there because like, I used to work the breakfast shift at a diner when I was in college. I had to be there at seven o'clock in the morning. There was the owner, two openers, and like someone opening in the kitchen. Like we all showed up. I think it opened at seven. So like there was a 6 a.m. and then a 7 a.m. And I was always the 7 a.m. Like there's more than one person. Well, and I think to your point too, it's like, I don't know how things obviously were like back in the early 90s or mid 90s when it comes to this, but like businesses to a certain degree on a day-to-day basis are a pretty well-oiled machine, right? Like, like you're saying, there's a staff, there's a process, there's kind of a, a routine, if you will, on how the day starts, how it is in the middle, when shifts change, like all that kind of stuff. So to your point, the, who owns it or who quote unquote runs it is kind of irrelevant because they do more stuff behind the scenes, coordinating the deliveries, making sure inventory is stocked, like whatever it is. So the day-to-day, in, for all intents and purposes, should continue just fine. And like to your point, technically, Brandon could run it. He doesn't know anything about the business side, but at least he's got Jim and Nat it. Nat still lives. He's just not there. <laughs> right? So. Like, I honestly, I think it would relax Nat to have, you know, Brandon show up after, like, you know, when, say, Suzanne is running the dinner shift and she's going to close up at the end of the night. Like, I think it would make Nat feel better if Brandon showed up at the hospital and was like, hey, the day went really well. I have, like, this week's orders all ready to go. But, like, keeping him in the loop and then Nat could say like oh well it's the end of the month so don't forget to pay the rent like mm-hmm. I don't know I also feel like they make all these comments about how the peach pit has been there forever so like Nat's gonna have relationships with people right like his vendors and people that his regulars like I- people are gonna stead- step up to help not just exactly. Brandon but Brandon insists on doing it by himself Right. Classic Brandon. White boy confidence. The only last thing I had to say about that little scene is I just love that Dylan was in Converse. I don't know why. Again, it's kind of like when Steve walked in and was the first one. It's like, that's great. And then Dylan walked in and he just had this little strut about him and he was wearing Converse and I loved it. And Kelly was in overalls. (laughs) I'm like desperate for a pair of overalls. I cannot find a pair that I really want. I, and I just keep seeing them. them. <laughs> and yeah, it just ends with all of them It ends on a the good note. Pit. Yeah, like showing the good group of friends that they are. So that's that's what yeah. the show's about. So might as well end it that way for the episode. Okay. I realized this while we were talking and I'm really upset, but I think I want my quote of the week to have been whatever Steve said about Brandon and I didn't write it down. When Steve was just like, you pissed off the blah, blah, blahs. You pissed off the Greek society. Like, how did you get this thing? Okay. I don't know. I just, that's what I want. (laughs) I wrote down the full Donna quote in response to Steve's question. 
Well, don't look for a rational explanation. The world just loves Brandon. I also wrote down another thing Steve said. This isn't like a contender, but like, I feel like he didn't deliver this line right (laughs) because I Googled what this is and he said, I am the original Wolfman Jack, but it's (laughs) Wolfman Jack like one name who was like a radio broadcast guy oh no yeah (laughs) who is like the let's eat grandpa let's eat grandpa (laughs) (laughs) yeah he added a comma where there shouldn't have been one (laughs) but i don't think it would have been this but what if he was uh the wolf man from the commercials do you remember the atlanta commercials i think it was like it was in the 90s or maybe the 80s where it was like the Don- Donna and the Wolfman. Sounds like really familiar. I don't remember. All right. Well, I'm going to find a picture of it. <laughs> I just found a meme that says I am this old. But no, that's <laughs> the guy. That's Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Donna and the Wolfman. Hmm. Interesting. Another Atlanta reference. Love it. All right. Sad to say that none of those are my quote of the week, although I'm like a little bit rethinking it (laughs) to the combination of the Steve and the Donna. But my quote of the week was actually something that was very easily missed, but it was something I just thought was funny. It comes from the scene where Kelly and Donna are watching yoga. And by watching yoga, I mean like the video and they're attempting to do it and Donna is skeptical. Um, because Kelly says, like, where did you get this? And Donna's like, I got it from Felice, like from my mom. My mom sent it. And Kelly says, since when is she the queen of calm? She makes coffee nervous. <laughs> and I loved it. Oh, man. Ugh. Okay. Well, what's next week? Um, it is season four, episode 19, The Labors of Love. Okay. I I bet it's about Andrea being pregnant. Right? <laughs> I'm three women and a baby. I'm calling it. Ugh. Okay. Well, I guess until next week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. You can also shoot us an email about any of your thoughts. Um, if you remember the Wolfman ad or whatever it was or personality or whatever, <laughs> let us know or any other cool stuff. Like if you have quotes of the week, send that over. We um, we find that stuff really funny. So just give us some feedback. Um, and that email address is backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and like, share, subscribe, rate, review, you know, five stars specifically, like the better ratings are what really helps us get seen. So like we appreciate your honesty, but also five stars would be like a really cool thing for you to do. And if you want to leave a review, you could leave your quote of the week there or your quote of the series. Oh yeah. That's a good point too. Let let us know what your quote of the series is thus far. Um, Or even Give us a teaser of maybe a quote of the series that is yet to come that we can look forward to as we continue the show. Ooh, don't tell us who said it. Ooh, yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, do those things. (laughs) We'll catch you next week for another episode. Um, So from all of us at Back 2 Podcast, I'm Caitlin. I'm the Wolfman. Ooh. (laughs) I I have a name. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
I tried. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I got lost. <laughs> it's okay. I just said my own name, so. <laughs> That's what threw me off. I was like, I thought you didn't go yet. <laughs> and you literally started signing us off. Anyway, bye. <laughs> bye. See ya. <laughs>